Well, welcome to uh, Focus on the News. I'm Dick Black, and uh, we're joined today by our friend uh, John Tiggis, who has been off in the world uh, uh, trying to, to rouse the troops and get them ready for the midterm elections. Welcome <laughs> back, John. Thanks. I don't know if it was midterms, but we better get ready because um, the storm's coming, my friend. The storm is, in fact, I think it's here. But speaking of storms, uh, big concern about how bad winter may get in Europe. And of all people, the person who's concerned about it is Bill Gates. Um, why would that be? Well, you know, Bill Gates is a big climate change crusader. Uh, but he has said that uh, the West, uh, Western Europe relies on Russian fossil fuels, and that reliance isn't going away anytime soon. And he said that uh, Europe uh, may face a very scary situation this winter uh, with surging ener- energy prices, uh, people being unable to heat their homes, and perhaps having to... Uh, having to shut down industries without any viable alternatives. He said something that I I found very interesting. He said the difference in the amount of natural gas that you need in a very cold winter versus a mild winter uh, will surprise people. He says it's almost a factor of three. Uh, And that's kind of a wake-up call. It's something I hadn't thought about, but... If if Europe has a mild winter, probably not going to be a, a big problem. But if they have a, a cold winter, or particularly a very cold winter, uh, all of a sudden you triple the amount of gas that you need, and they don't have it. And uh, uh, so that's going to be very severe. The reason that they have the, uh, the uh, uh, shortage of gas is that they have cut off the supplies of natural gas coming from Russia through the sanctions. Uh, they've sanctioned it. They've, they've stopped paying for it. They've done all kinds of things to block it. Well, that hurts the people of Europe. But well, apparently... That's the only thing they've done, they, whoever they is, blew up the Nord Stream as well, which is, seems to be the biggest, uh, probably the biggest act of terrorism in terms of impact. Um, maybe the world's ever seen because they could literally freeze out Western Europe now as a result of it. And maybe worse, create a, a full-blown nuclear war based on Putin being backed into a corner. What's with that? Who's, why is that happening? Well, that, it's interesting because, yeah, they, these two, these are, these aren't just little pipelines. These are great industrial pipelines that really are the, uh, uh, they're, they're like the arteries uh, to to the heart of Europe. And uh, uh, now, of course, the Ukrainians would love to to blow these things up, but they don't have the capability. The the one country that has the the means, the motive uh, and the opportunity to destroy the pipelines is the United States. I'm convinced that the CIA. Department of Defense and the State Department worked together and uh, and blew up and destroyed the the uh, pipelines. All right, but 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 go there. What is the motivation for blowing up a pipeline that brings 
energy to Western Europe, our friends, our supposed friends. Why would well, we do that? Well, now let me let me mention also that uh, that Joe Biden said on during during an interview with a reporter, uh, he said uh, he said if Russia comes across the Ukrainian border, he said there will be no Nord Stream two pipeline, and uh, the reporter said, well, he said she said how how would that be since it's it's a German pipeline. And then he said, I repeat, if this happens, there will be no Nord Stream 2 pipeline. Well, uh, so he obviously knew that there were plans on the, on the books to make it happen. And, well, and uh, not only Nord Stream 2, but they blew up the, uh, the Nord Stream 1 as well. So, I mean, they do. No, there is no natural gas flowing to Europe right now from Russia. And I don't know where else it comes from, but. Um, it's not looking good. And it was bad to, uh, already at that point. People were chopping firewood in Germany and now natural gas is gone. Um, and, you know, I, I think part of what's going on is that, uh, uh, populist movements are erupting all over Europe. Um, I, I just was sent, uh, just two days ago sent, uh, a, uh, a rally that was held in Prague, Czechoslovakia. And a friend of mine, uh, Herr Beistrom, who was a member of the Bundestag in Germany. Here, here's a German politician, member of the parliament, goes to Czechoslovakia. There are a hundred thousand people there. And his message was, our war is against globalism. And he said, we, we fight for God, for country. Uh, we, we fight for sovereignty and, uh, so and and I think that's something that's resonating everywhere. He but pointed out globalism. I mean, that's, <coughs> the no enemy thing. is globalism. It's the it's the boys from Davos. All right, the, who's that? What what should people know about the boys from Davos? Who the hell are they? They're not a country. So what are they? And why would they want to blow up a pipeline and and use the United States? And how in the world could they use another nation to do their bidding for them? What? Connect the dots for people. Yeah, what you have <clears throat> over over the last uh, 30 years, I suppose, you have more and more of these globalist organizations. For example, you have uh, the, the World Economic Forum that meets periodically in Davos, Switzerland. Uh, they bring together 2,000 of the world's kings and princes and, and top politicians and heads of industry. These are... These are typically mega billionaires. They all jet there together and they plot out the future of the world. And then they go back to implement it in their own countries. And these are people who they're not wedded to America or to Germany or to Japan or wherever. These are people who view themselves as citizens of the world. And by virtue of being in this globalist clique, uh, they're able to shape world events that that line their pockets. And one of the objectives has been to create this war uh, between Ukraine and Russia. Uh, it began in 2014 when we overthrew the government of Ukraine and installed a puppet government, began flooding weapons in uh, to prepare for war against Russia. And uh, and. 
it's it's only been several weeks since these these people got the Ukrainian government to pass law that will privatize a vast amount of Ukrainian publicly owned property. And of course, this is a time where Ukrainian citizens are impoverished. They're, they're having trouble just eating, let alone, you know, investing. So who can invest? Well, you're going to have all of these, the boys from Davos will descend, uh, all the, the Hunter Biden lookalikes will descend on Ukraine. They'll buy up everything at, at a penny or a nickel on the dollar and they'll become global oligarchs controlling the wealth of Ukraine. The people will be impoverished for hundreds of years to come. They're beginning to look at Russia the same way, saying, well, wait a minute. If we can, if we can do this in Ukraine, maybe, maybe if we perhaps use nuclear weapons, we can, we can actually do it to Russia and break up the fantastic wealth of Russia. And then we become trillionaires. We, there, we have such wealth that there's no limit. These are not, these are not citizens like you and I know. These are the people who buy the, the, uh, the yachts that are a block long that have their own swimming pools and, and, uh, uh, their own saunas and things. And they, and they, they staff them with, uh, with, uh, attractive young ladies that they purchase by the dozen. Uh, they don't live like us and they don't, they don't care about us and they don't, they don't care how many Ukrainians or how many Russians, how many of these young fellows, uh, are slaughtered on the battlefield. They want to be there to pick up what's left afterwards uh, and line their pockets with it. That's, that's, yeah, it's, it's bizarre. That's, that's the reason for this war and for most of the wars that we fight now. It's like, uh, it's like a James Bond movie, you know, you know, Dr. Evil doing his bidding. And it's so hard for us to think about people that actually believe that type of stuff or would act that way. And yet we so quickly forget that there was this guy named Hitler who, you know, wrote an entire book saying that he was going to control the world and another guy named Stalin. And, and neither of those guys had billions of dollars of wealth and they kind of pulled it off. So to think that you combine a bunch of wealthy people, exceptionally wealthy people who seem to own the political strings. Certainly we see in our country, there's no one with, uh, you know, uh, intelligent life in the White House right now. And yet there's certain things happening like pipelines being blown up and it makes you wonder how in the world can this be going on? And yet, um, it's, it is, it is that it's a sci-fi novel. It's bizarre. And, you know, here we are and, and it's, you know, so bad that we're seeing, you know, even with in the Air Force, we can't even find people that want to fight for our country now. So they're actually recruiting drug addicts, people that are testing positive for THC and marijuana. Uh, where does this lead? You know, when does this end as we go into this purge of good people at the expense of, of, uh, our entire nation. And really, as we're seeing, it's affecting everything globally because these globalists literally want to control the world. They really do. And, uh, it, it's, uh, it's very dangerous. The, the wars that we're fighting, they, they do not benefit the American people 
one iota. Uh, all that we end up with is the debt and, and some of the disabled uh, people who have, have fought so valiantly for the country and, and they come back and, uh, and meanwhile, the, you know, these, these, uh, these mega millionaires, they're, they're counting the cash, uh, while, you know, these poor guys are, are, uh, maimed for the rest of their lives. And, you know, you and I, you and I have gone out on the battlefield. I mean, I've been wounded. My radio men were killed right beside me. And, uh, uh, and we were willing to do it because we thought we were fighting for a cause. And, uh, uh, but increasingly the cause has become very transparent and it's, it's basically how do you, how do you steal the wealth of this country or that country or the next one? And, uh, and they're able to do it because they, they own the media. The media is totally in lockstep. Uh, and yeah, you've got, you've got some that's more liberal, some that's more conservative. But if you look at Fox News, there is no war, no engagement that they don't support wholeheartedly. Um, so for the, for the man on the street who doesn't have time to study these things, the only access to information is through the internet and it's not easy to find. So I don't blame the public for, for saying, well, okay, they're saying a little bit of nuclear war might be helpful. I, I guess everybody agrees. Uh, maybe, maybe we should use some nukes. Uh, but it's, we're in a, in a crazy time and an increasingly dangerous time for the American public. They don't recognize that uh, these guys are playing with fire. Uh, they're willing to gamble uh, the lives of, of all of the people on, on the earth in order for a chance to become one of those mega mega billionaires. Well, and it's and it seems like it's not even gamble. It's like they are deliberately trying to blow up, and that that's fig, not figuratively. They're willing to blow up the world in order to achieve whatever they're, I, I, it's hard to understand all there. Certainly there's, there seems to be some financial stuff, but they seem to have this unbelievable faith and in, in a religion of humanism that they're the smartest people in the world and that they're going to, you know, get rid of all the bad humans and keep the good humans and whatever's left over, um, you know, you'll, <laughs> you'll own nothing and you'll like it. And it's just, it's so absolutely bizarre that we're at this point. And, you know, we see it as well beyond the Air Force recruiting um, drug addicts to fill their ranks. We're seeing in the schools as well, just locally here in Loudoun County, a uh, student was beaten to the point of being in critical condition. And um, and it appears that it might have been racially um, aggravated or... Um, motivated um you know everywhere we look we're seeing chaos and destruction um what do you make of that yeah this is uh this was a student at uh, independence high school here in loudon county loudon county being the epicenter of the entire revolution uh, over critical race theory and transgenderism uh, a movement that's very it's, it's, you know, we're on the winning side right now. We're going to win this battle, at least to some extent. Um, but in any event, uh, one student 
beat another student so badly that he was hospitalized uh, in serious condition. And uh, the uh, he's been charged with aggravated malicious wounding, uh, which is a class two felony in, in the state of Virginia. And uh, now uh, a class two felony uh, can include a, a minimum of 20 years in prison up to a life sentence and a fine of $100,000. Now, because he's a juvenile, he gets to skate. Uh, that's typically the way that these things go is a juvenile gets off with a, no with a hand slap. Yeah, yeah. With, with a hand slap. And, uh, particularly now, here in Virginia where a principal can actually not even report violent crime if the person's skin color is the right tone. Uh, I mean, apparently in this case it was so bad they had no option, uh, but to report it. But, um, I mean, where does this lead when such violence takes place in school and people do nothing to stop it? Um, and, you know, everywhere as we look now in society, there's all this massive violence taking place. People getting stabbed in the street and people walking by. People, uh, certainly in New York City, every day there's another story. In Chicago, just about every time you turn around, they've got a new record number of homicides over the weekend and shootings. Uh, Atlanta, I think, now leads the country in crime rate. I mean, Atlanta used to be kind of a quiet, southern, charming town, and now it's it's completely crime ridden, crazy stuff. Um, what do you make of all this? Well, there's, I think, a lot of a lot of what's going on stems from uh, the teaching of critical race theory in the public schools. Critical race theory is a it's a a Marxist concept designed to pit different races against one another uh, with the with the goal of ultimately causing a violent revolution where one group kills the other group. I mean, that's that's ultimately where they're going with it. Um, critical race theory uh, has been endorsed by the National Education Association. They passed a resolution solidly endorsing critical race theory. They did that uh, within the last year, and uh, uh, this this stuff has deep roots in the vast majority of schools across the nation. Um, and what what it does, they 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 hold these classes. They do it even in in kindergarten now, and they will they'll they'll kind of separate the kids. Sometimes in some schools, they've even They've even put racial tags on them to say, you know, I'm privileged or I'm oppressed or whatever. And what they're what they're doing, you've got a, you've got the schools seem seem to be run these days by racists and by by homosexual activists. Those are the two groups, and they will separate the children, and they will say, look, this group over here, you are oppressed. You need to you need to walk around with a chip on your shoulder all your life, and be watching for microaggressions. If somebody if somebody looks the you know the other way when you pass by, you need to give them the business. And and then they say, okay, and these are little little Mary over there. Uh, there she's a white girl, and and little Anna, she's a 
she's an Indian or she's a, she's a, a Korean or Vietnamese. These people are oppressors. They're privileged. They're, they're oppressors because, because they're, they haven't burned down their neighborhoods yet. So, so look how nice their houses are and look how yours are after the mob swept through the BLM Antifa mob and burned everything. Look, you're oppressed and these are the people who oppressed you. Well, they, no, they aren't. It's Black Lives Matter and it's Antifa that oppressed you. It isn't these, these poor little white girls and Indian. Well, the ironic thing is most of Black Lives Matter is a bunch of white people as well. So, I mean, well, the NAACP right. here in Loudon is mostly white. So, I mean, it's I think crazy. That's true. We most got the whites white, trying to pretend to be white. black who then turn their anger on whites. I mean, it, it doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah, and yet, that's, that's a saying, good point. Is That's a we, good point. The, the majority, the majority of Black Lives Matter are radical Marxist white people. And they're, they're, they, it's not that there aren't radical black people in, in the movement, but I, I think all across the country, the majority are privileged white Marxists. And they're out there leading the mobs charging creating all the violence they can that's that's a good point though well it's crazy and i think what you're saying is that it it justifies people's violence towards other people because of all this divisiveness it's 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 not so it's got to stop and and we can't i mean certainly if we're paying people to teach people from a young age we shouldn't be surprised that they start acting that way and that they won't stop it other people won't intervene um, because out of fear, it's just, it's crazy. And you know, another thing that's been crazy down in, uh, in Alabama, we just got a Supreme Court ruling on gerrymandering. Um, the traditional go in, you know, you win, um, an election or gain control of your legislature, you go out and you change the lines to make them favorable for staying in power. Um, speaking of the NAACP in Alabama or Birmingham, they filed with Supreme Court saying that this was racist to, you know, put more Democrats or Republicans in, in certain districts, Supreme Court came back and said, not so fast. Uh, that's not the case. So, um, we're finally seeing, at least at the Supreme Court level, surprisingly, um, some pushback against calling everything racist. Is this a trend? Is this, is this, or is this as business as usual? And it's always been this way. Well, where we are, there actually are two two cases. Uh, the Supreme Court ruled previously that um, that it, it's not unlawful to uh, to carve out districts to where where one party gets the advantage over the other. In other words, if 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 you have a Democrat dominated state. It's not unlawful for them to to design the the uh, the lines in their state to give them an advantage and vice versa. Republican state can do it. Now, that's been decided. But now there is a case that will be uh, it's it's actually uh, been been argued, hadn't been decided. But this one deals with uh, an Alabama redistricting plan. And back during the, uh, the civil rights, uh, riots and protests and so forth, uh, Congress enacted the Voting Rights Act and, uh, it, uh, it created significant advantages for, for blacks over, over other races. Uh, 
And it was supposed to be a very temporary thing, has turned out to be uh, something that goes on and on. But I think the Supreme Court now is looking at that. They haven't rendered a decision, but uh, uh, they will now decide whether not only is it permissible for for the Democrats to carve districts that give them an advantage and vice versa, but that you really shouldn't be worrying about race when this happens. Now, one of the things that people aren't aware of, because they, they've been sort of indoctrinated, the idea that somehow uh, people want to want to push blacks out of a out of a district because um, for reasons of discrimination. But as somebody who has run 13 very hotly contested elections, I can tell you that all that you care about is who will vote for you because you want to stay in office. You, you can't do anything if you're not in office. So the fundamental issue and the reason that blacks tend to be uh, clustered in in districts is that they tend to vote very, very heavily uh, Democrat. Now, there there aren't any any groups that are quite so heavily Republican based on race. But uh, uh, but basically, the, the the parties, when they carve out districts, they don't have the slightest interest in the racial makeup. All they care about is the voting patterns. How have these people voted in the past? And uh, it can be for various reasons. Um, but uh, if as a Republican, I want as many Republicans in that district as I can, as many people who will vote for me. And if I believe that uh, for some reason black people are likely to vote for me, I'm going to want all of the black people I can in my district, not because they're black, but because they're going to vote for me. And that's the reality of politics. It, it people people really don't design these uh, these lines based on race. They they do it based on who is who is likely to vote Republican or Democrat. And hopefully, uh, the Supreme Court will uh, come to a similar conclusion. But we will see how that plays out. We're just getting into the the beginning of the the term for the Supreme Court. But this will be one of the very important issues that they deal with this year. All right. And with that, I think we're a wrap for uh, today, sir. Okay. Well, thank you for being back. It's good to have you here. So this has been Focus on the News. Thank you all for joining us. And uh, we will be looking for you uh, next Monday at 11.